Good morning. Thank you, Chris and the band, and aren't they awesome? Just really, really awesome. Um, it's really great to see you this morning, although I can only see about half of you because of the lights shining in my face. Um, but uh, I know I saw familiar faces, and I know there's a lot of new faces out there. Um, and just really um, feel privileged to have Jason ask me to come and speak uh, this morning and to be with you and to, to share a message. So um, <clears throat> I know uh, I can still say happy Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Did everybody have a happy Thanksgiving? Yes. <laughs> it was good. Some time with friends and family and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, this week, I think, is a time of reflection where we take and um, <clears throat> consider all the blessings in, in our lives, all the things that we're, we're thankful for. Um, I have a friend who has a yearly tradition in which she, she posts something she's grateful for each day in November on Facebook. That's right. Who's on Facebook? I know. Yep, yeah, I know. <laughs> right? It's, it's interesting and actually makes me want to go on Facebook, which is kind of rare, um, to see what she's posting, just to see what she's going to say. Sometimes things are expected, like she's very thankful for friends and family, you know, uh, Sometimes things are like big thank yous, like uh, a new car she may have gotten or a a new job or a new experience that she had. Um, And sometimes things are just like little small thank yous, like a smile from the cashier at Walmart or a a random kindness from a a stranger, you know, in the toll booth in front of her. Um, It's interesting. Facebook tells us the top 10 things people are thankful for. You ready for this? (laughs) Number one, friends. Number two, family. Number three, health. Number four, family and friends. So I think that's when family and friends all get together in the same room and they get along. (laughs) You're like really thankful for them. Um, Number five, a job. Number six, husbands. Number seven, children. Number eight, the roof over my head. Number nine, life. And number ten, music. Now, I know all the ladies in the room (laughs) noticed something that was missing. I thought it was interesting that wives didn't make the list. (laughs) Um, But I think that's because, you know... They're the ones who make family family, right? The ones that are making the home the home. So we're all included there. And then I thought maybe it's because more women are on Facebook than men. (laughs) So they're kind of skewing the statistics there. Um, So in psychology today, there was a list of 100 things we might be able to be thankful for. It suggests we can be thankful for hot showers. That's nice in the morning. And... Uh, it's also nice after a hurricane when you haven't had any electricity uh, and all you've had is cold water. Remember that shower? Remember that shower after Irma came through and you first got your new hot shower? Um, <clears throat> food on the table. 
Isn't that what we were celebrating at Thanksgiving? God's blessing and bounty. And doesn't it always seem to bring people around? You know, Methodists are very good at that. Food on the table. Wherever there are Methodists, there is food. Hearing some good news. How about the freedom to vote? And once you voted, to recount. And then recount the recount. And then recount the recounted recount. When you find something that you had lost, hitting the snooze button, the ability to travel, to visit friends and family. How many people went away and visited friends and family this season, right? Yeah. Or maybe just to travel and experience new things, go new places. Reading a book, something that we take for granted frequently, right? Illiteracy is rampant around the world, and we don't even think about it here in the States because so our literacy level is so high. Um, but in many of the countries of Africa, only about 30% to 40% of the people can read. <clears throat> and my favorite, at the end of that, chocolate. <laughs> Who? Everybody's thankful for chocolate, unless, of course, you're allergic to it, then you probably aren't thankful for it. Um, but... Let's get a little loud. Tell me what you're thankful for. What's not on the list? What were you thankful for this year? Pets. Pets, definitely. We have a new little pet at our house. We're fostering a dog. Mia. Mia. I'm thankful for Mia. That was my son. I just want to say. (laughs) Who, Who I'm really thankful for because he was able to come visit this year. He's in the military, and so they were visiting. So we're thankful for Mia. And Ian. Um, <laughs> what else are you thankful for? Beautiful weather. Beautiful weather. It's wonderful. It's beautiful, beautiful. First responders. Definitely. There's, the list can go on and on and on and on, right? Um, on the flip side of that, This may have been a particularly hard time for you. Or maybe for your family. Because, you know, it's easy to be thankful when things are going well. It's easy to be thankful for family when you have a loving spouse, compassionate children, caring sisters or brothers, or supportive parents. It's not so easy when your family is being torn apart by drugs or alcoholism, or your children are failing at school, or they're struggling with an emotional handicap, or a physical challenge. It's not so thankful when your best friend has moved away and you really miss them. It's easy to be thankful for your job when you have a great boss, and you enjoy your coworkers, you look forward to going in the morning, Not so easy when you're treated with disrespect or overburdened or bullied or just undervalued for what you do. I I have a friend who is currently under house restriction due to a conviction who spent Thanksgiving Day alone uh, because he can't go anywhere except to the grocery store, the laundry and assigned counseling sessions each week. 
I have another friend who's only 28 years old whose mother is in the last stages of cancer and expected to pass away within the next few days. I know she was thankful for the blessing of being able to spend this Thanksgiving with her mom. I also know that she'll remember it forever because it will probably be the last. I have a friend who uh, is a mother of three small children who's in an abusive relationship and can't seem to figure out how to get out. You know, but I know I'm not alone. We all have friends and family members, co-workers or neighbors, or even you. You may be going through a really tough time right now. Many of us experience these kinds of circumstances. It's hard to be thankful when life is hard. It's not as easy as our aunt or grandmother or mom reminded us just to sit down and count our blessings (laughs) and make the list. So, in our scripture passage today, it comes from the book of Hebrews. And uh, it comes from chapter 10, verses 32 through 11, verse 2. And the interesting thing about the recipients in this letter was that they went through some tough times. And the author of the letter is encouraging them to remember. He says, But recall those earlier days when... After you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and persecution, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion for those who were in prison, and you cheerfully accepted the plundering of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves possessed something better and more lasting. Do not therefore abandon that confidence of yours. It brings a great reward. For you need endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, the one who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. My soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. But we are not among those who shrink back, and so are lost. We are among those who have faith, and so are saved. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. You know, we don't really know much about this letter. Scholars are unsure of the author. It could have been Paul. 
It was put with Paul's letters for a long time, and everybody thought that it was. It sounds like Paul. But some say it was Priscilla. You remember her? Or Silas, who worked with Luke and was closely associated to Paul. Or Epaphras. And other scholars say it was Apollos, who was very eloquent with his words and, and um, captured a crowd. And although we don't know the specific recipients to who this was written, it wasn't like one of Paul's letters to the Corinthians. We know that went to Corinth, to the people in Corinth. Thessalonians went to the people in Thessalonica. Ephesians went to the people in Ephesus. We can figure out that by the references and the language that's used, that this letter was written to early Christians. It was the first generation of Christians. Christians who were previously Jews. Thereby giving it the name, the letter to the Hebrews. Although we don't have a lot of certainties about it. We know that God meant it for us. In this passage, the author tells us a lot about the recipients. We find out that a time has passed since they first believed. It's probably not just days or months, but probably more like years. It's been a long time. Because the author is encouraging them to remember the earlier days. We find out that life hasn't been easy. They endured a hard struggle. One that seems to be emotional, as well as physical and spiritual and mental. We find out that it wasn't a private struggle. It wasn't a personal hardship. But was publicly known. It was amplified and magnified for everyone to see. And because of this, they received abuse and persecution. We find out that their friends were imprisoned, and quite possibly some of them. And we find out they lost many of their possessions because of their faith, their belief in Christ. And we also find out that through all of that, they had joy. They had gratitude because they possessed something greater. This scripture reminds us that life as a Christian isn't always easy. But it also reminds us that we have something greater to hold on to. A promise. The promise of Christ. As Christians, like the audience of this letter to the Hebrews, we can be thankful that we have received God's grace through faith in Christ. A grace that brings forgiveness, new life, new opportunities, new mercies, reconciliation, reconciliation with our friends, with our family, with our spouses, with God. A grace that provides assurance, 
<laughs> like we sang about this morning, the blessed assurance that we have that we are children of God and that nothing, nothing we say or do can separate us from the love of God. It is a grace that is freely given and freely offered to all people everywhere around the world. The author to the letter of the Hebrews reminds us, do not therefore abandon that confidence of yours. It brings a great reward. You need endurance. So that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. In other words, don't give up. Life can be frustrating, but we have something greater, something to give us the power and the strength that we need to persevere and to endure. And we've been offered grace. We've received it. Hang in there. Don't let go. Don't be discouraged. Remember to count your blessings along the way. This passage that we read leads into chapter 11. And chapter 11 is often called the faith chapter because it tells of many from the Bible who persevered through trials. Chapter 11 tells us all about Cain and Abel. It tells us about Noah and Abraham and Moses. Everybody who you would expect to be there. (laughs) Um, And today I want to add a few more people who I think are pillars of the faith and did so with gratitude and thankfulness with all their heart. The first one is Hannah. You remember Hannah? Hannah is one of my favorite people. Hannah was one of two wives to a man named Elkanah. And Hannah was barren, but the other wife had many children. And we can see where this story's going, right? <laughs> the other wife, Peninnah, would taunt her regularly. And Hannah's misery was huge. It was immense. One night, while in the temple, Hannah prayed fervently for a child. So much so that the priest, Eli, thought she was drunk. (laughs) Remember? He came up to her and he was like, you're going to need to leave. (laughs) And she was Praying, filled with the Holy Spirit. Hannah prayed that if God would give her a child, she would give that child back to him. Eli blessed her request, and soon after, she conceived a a child. It was a boy, and she named him Samuel. And she did what she had offered. When he was just a toddler, she took Samuel back to Eli, and she gave him to Eli to be raised in the house of the Lord, for Eli to
to teach him and to mentor him, to coach him, and to raise him. And Samuel became one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Giving Samuel to Eli wasn't just a reflection of an answer to prayer. She gave with all her heart because she praised God in the aftermath of turning over her biggest prayer request. She praised God for the opportunity to have the child, even though she was giving it to Eli to raise Remember in Luke 17, when Jesus healed the lepers? There were ten lepers. Jesus was going along the way, and they cried out. They cried out, Jesus! And they called to him for healing. And Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priest. And they did. And all ten lepers were healed. Do you remember how many came back and thanked Jesus? (laughs) Just one. One in ten returned to Jesus to thank him. Only one. That man threw himself at the feet of Jesus and gave immense thanks. Isn't that amazing? Only one man returned to give thanks for healing from a debilitating disease. Nine vanished into the crowd, and one gave thanks. We are called to be like the one rather than the nine. We are called to stop and give thanks to God for all that he has done and is doing in our lives. There's another story in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15 that everyone I know is very familiar with. The prodigal son. You know, usually the son gets all the attention, or one of the sons. But today I just kind of want to focus on the father, What's clear from Luke 15 is that the father was grateful. In an understanding of the culture at the time, it seems that he would have been embarrassed as a Palestinian father to hike up his robe and run to meet his son, who pretty much had said, See you later, Dad. (laughs) I'm done. Give me my inheritance. I'm going. But the father doesn't seem to care what any of his neighbors are going to think, not any of the other family members. He's thankful to see his son again. And he proclaims, This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. That has to be one of the most thankful statements in the whole Bible. 
What's especially encouraging is knowing that the father figure in this story represents God. Doesn't that suggest that God is thankful for us, for his children, especially when we choose our own way or go one direction and we come back and we're received into his arms? He is thankful, thankful for us to return. Chapter 11 finishes by saying, And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. That was a bad day. (laughs) And chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Who's our best example of gratefulness, of thankfulness in Scripture? Jesus. He was God. He didn't have to give thanks for anything. But he often did. Jesus set an example for us in many ways. He was a man who gave praise to the Father on many occasions. He gave thanks as he was surrounded by thousands of hungry people, and he multiplied the food so that everyone could eat. He gave thanks to God for hearing his prayer, for raising Lazarus, one of his best friends, even before Lazarus rose from the grave. Do you remember that? Jesus wept as he learned that Lazarus had died, but he knew he trusted. He went forward in faith and gave thanks and praise. He knew the cross was before him, on the last night with his disciples, and yet he gave thanks to the Father as he broke the bread and drank the cup. We have a perfect example of praise and thanksgiving in Jesus, who endured many things and persevered. Can you imagine what it was like to have the pressure to feed thousands of to raise a friend from the dead, to face death on a cross. Jesus' response was not to panic or to run to people for help and reassurance. It was to turn to the Father. I think that often when we struggle with gratitude and finding that in our lives, 
It's because we're unhappy. And we're convinced that just this one thing would make us happy. It's just this one thing, just a little out of place. You know, like, if I could just change this one thing at my job, my workplace, it'd be good. Everything would be fine. I'd be looking forward to go on. It would be wonderful. If I could just change this one thing in my kids, my home would be happy and harmonious. If I could just change this one thing in my spouse, we'd all get along. If I could just change this one thing, if I could just have this, we would be grateful. So Mark tells a story in his gospel about a blind man, a beggar who was on the road, and his name was Bartimaeus. And he was sitting by the roadside, and having learned that Jesus was close by, he cried out to him. And Jesus, having called him over, says, What would you have me do for you? All right, so it was a blind man. Isn't it a little obvious, like, we're thinking, like, Jesus, you know, he wants you to heal him. But it's interesting that Jesus doesn't just assume or presume what he wants. He asks him, what would you have me do for you? He stops to listen and to give the opportunity to express the need. If Jesus were to ask you today, what would you have me do for you? What would your answer be? Would you be thinking about that one thing that you need to make you happy? Or would you be thinking about all of the blessings that God has already brought you in your life? The ways to give thanksgiving to Him. In uh That the song that we sang at the very at the very beginning really spoke to me and in this message and what I want to end with. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whatever the cloud is over your life that keeps you from being thankful and grateful and being able to share that with everyone, whose love is mighty and so much stronger. It's the King of Glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The king of glory, the king above all kings, who brings our chaos back into order, who makes the orphan a son and daughter. The king of glory, the king of glory. That's amazing grace. That's amazing grace. And you see, that's what we have as Christians. That's what the letter to the Hebrews is about. That's what the author is saying to them. That's the better thing, the better promise that we've been offered. Through faith, grace, not something we did, but something that he did. 
something that we can be thankful for each and every day of our lives, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what we're going through, no matter what friends or family members are going through. If we look to the Father and we look to Christ, we look to that example, we can be thankful. Will you pray with me? Holy Father, we thank you so much for um, this day, an opportunity to come together in your name and to, to be with you, to sit at your feet, to worship together in the body, to realize the blessings that we have. Father, I know that there are many people in this room who are going through personal struggles. You have hurt and heartache and pain. And Lord, I know there are so many people in this room who are overjoyed, who are thankful and have many blessings to share with others. Lord, I know that you listen and you receive us wherever we are. We ask that you might bless us today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let us receive your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.